Hi, I'm Jonathan Capehart, and welcome to this special edition of Cape Up. I am so angry at uh, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts. That's Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York. He's angry at the Supreme Court over its 2013 decision that gutted the Voting Rights Act and ushered in a new era of voter suppression. That's why he's going to make a big push on voting rights. Not only does he want to fix the court's Shelby decision, he also wants automatic registration and D.C. statehood. This was a relatively quick conversation packed with information and high hopes. Hear it all right now. Senator Schumer, thank you very much for being on the podcast. It's good to be here, Jonathan. We've known each other probably close to 30 years. Almost 30 years. Yes. And so uh, when you called, I said, well, absolutely, I will come and talk to you. And you wanted to talk about something specific. I did. And that is uh, our, our push on voting rights. Mm-hmm. Um, voting rights is one of the, it is probably the most fundamental building block of a democracy. Um, this is what the founding fathers created. And this is what millions of Americans have fought for, hundreds of millions of Americans have died for as well. And so when voting rights is being impinged upon, when it's being made much harder, uh, we have to do something about it. So the House passed H.R. 1. I am for it. But we're not in the majority in the Senate. Uh, Hopefully we will be in 2021, and then we can pass H.R. 1 as well, and God willing, a Democratic president sign it. But now... Uh, As leader, I'm going to focus on three things above all. The first is to undo the damage done by Shelby. Shelby was one of the worst court decisions ever rendered. That's Shelby v. Holder from 2013. Correct. I am so angry at uh, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts. You know, when he came before us, he said he's going to call balls and strikes. Um, I voted against him because I wasn't sure that he would do that. And unfortunately, my vote was vindicated. And Shelby is one of his three worst decisions, the others being Citizens United, which allowed money to cascade into our country, and the other being Janus, which made it much harder for labor unions to organize. But Shelby was particularly despicable because what Robert said is there's no more bigotry around. We don't need what's called pre-clearance, before any locality uh, in 17, I think it was, states, 15 states, uh, could change the voting laws. They had to clear it with the voting rights uh, division of the civil rights division so that they wouldn't be taking away rights. So they repealed this pre-clearance, and within a year, 10 states made it much harder to vote. Some of them, North Carolina, the legislators were actually caught saying to each other, let's make it harder for African Americans to vote. And they particularly aimed this disenfranchisement at people of color, African American, Hispanic, Asian, Pacific Islander, at college students. They made it much Mm -hmm. harder to vote at college and at poorer people in general. And the goal was not... They they said, oh, there's a lot of, of voter fraud. They can't find any, hardly any. But what they did do is take away people's rights. So what we want to do, point one, is undo the damage in Shelby and do it across the country, not just in the 15 states, but any state that is going to change its voting laws in a significant way. It has to be pre-cleared if there's any sign that it might be discriminatory. The second thing we want to do is have automatic registration. There are 50 million people in America not registered. Now, that's a disgrace. Automatic registration is very simple. 
It says whenever you touch any level of government, not just federal, but if you touch Medicaid, if you touch the Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, um, you are automatically registered. And that will make it a lot easier to vote and a lot easier to encourage people to vote because you'll be on the registration lists. And the third thing we want to do is bring statehood to the District of Columbia. It's 800,000 people. Uh, they should, you know, their little slogan is no taxation without representation. They don't have it. No one right. can vote in the Senate. They don't have any representative in the Senate and House. They have Eleanor Holmes Norton, who does a good job, but can't vote. So we need to change that as well. And those are the three that I've chosen to focus on because they'll do a lot of good. And we are going to find opportunities, even though we're in the minority, when Republican majority needs us, and we're going to push for these to get in there. All right, let me take the third one first because you, you might have noticed the look of surprise on my face yes. when you mentioned statehood for, for the District of Columbia. Um, how does that factor into voting rights, and where are you going to get the 52nd state? Because when we talk, when we've talked about statehood for yep. for the district, it's always well, that's going to be a balance. Uh, there needs to be well, a balance. First, I, you know, look, I'm a politician, <clears throat> and if we have to come up with a balance to make this happen, fair enough. But it shouldn't be that way. D.C. wants statehood. They had a referendum where an overwhelming percentage of the citizens of D.C. said they wanted it, unlike Puerto Rico, where they're not sure what they want. Right. Um, whether, you know, if they say a third, a third, a third, a third one commonwealth, a third one state, or the third one independence. Who knows? But they don't have a consensus. In uh, D.C., there is. And they should just be allowed to be a state and have the same representation as other American citizens. Now, if someone comes up with a proposal to pair it with another place, I'd look at it. But most of the places that it would be paired with, I suppose, if you're thinking, oh, let's have a grand bargain with Republicans, I don't know if there are any places they can find <laughs> these days. Maybe that'll change. <laughs> Maybe that'll change. I'm going to bring you back to... Um you mentioned before maybe you're going to push hard uh, while you're minority leader. Maybe in 2020, Democrats take take back the White House. Uh, you become majority leader if the Democrats take back God the willing. Senate in 2020. But right now, the Senate majority leader is uh, Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. And late in January, he sent out two tweets about H.R. 1. One, he called it the, the Democrat Politician Protection Act, which he said proposes a massive federal takeover of elections, but neither the facts nor the opinions of American voters show any evidence of a crisis or emergency that would make this unprecedented step necessary. And then in a second tweet, he talks about the fact that people had told the Pew Research Center that their voting experience was, quote, very easy or, quote, somewhat easy. Yeah, I suppose if you talk to an upper middle class person in a wealthy suburb where they have plenty of voting machines, uh, that's probably true. But for most people, it's not so easy. But here's the thing. I said this on the floor today. Shame on Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party. If making it easier to vote is bad for the Republican Party or also in H.R. 1, um, uh, allowing wealthy people to overwhelm our system with campaign contributions and all of that, shame on them. Then they're a party that says they don't believe in democracy. The less democracy, the better. Shame. I can't believe McConnell would be so bald-faced to say what he says, but he does. And the Republican Party these days, not the days of old, but the new Republican Party is so intent on keeping their majority that they will do whatever they can to discourage people from voting. I would put that, I would say one word describes that, un-American. What are they afraid of? 
They're afraid they'll lose elections. They, they, it's, just, it's just that bald. It's that bald. Uh, let me give you, I mean, there are so many examples. We had a tough Senate race in Indiana. Marion County, the counties in Indiana were allowed to set up places for early voting. They set a whole bunch in easily accessible places. Marion County has a large minority population. The Republican legislature, state, took over and said, we're going to take it over, and they set up one polling place for early voting in a remote part of the the area, no mass transit, no place to park. Why do you think they did that? To help the voters of Marion County? Bull. And that's what's happening across the country. So that would never have been pre-cleared under the Voting Rights Act. Pre-Shelby. Pre-Shelby. In point number one that you you talked about, undoing the damage of Shelby, you said that what you want to do is to make this pre-clearance nationwide. Right, for any any place where there might be discrimination. Um, Nationwide, but I don't mean, if you want to do some trivial change, you know, like, um, that's fine. But for anything that would be significant, preclearance would be required. And is that to make sure that you bring in as many Republicans as possible? Because one of the things that Chief Justice Roberts said in his in his opinion is that you know times have changed, and why are these states being singled out? Yeah. And so this makes it that all. Well, look, that answers it. But we're doing it in every state because anyone who's disenfranchised, particularly by a concerted effort by government officials to disenfranchise them, that's so wrong, we want to change it. Anywhere it exists, not just in a handful of states. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if it answers Robert's objection, I thought that decision was one of the worst because he said we don't need this anymore, and then within a year, 10 states restrict voting. Give me a break. Basically, he said we don't need it anymore because, well, racism There's no more racism. Uh, uh, go, Go wake up and smell the coffee, Chief Justice, in all due respect. One of the things you talked about was uh, you said the Republican Party of old, and now I'm old enough to remember even, to even know what you're what yeah, you're. Yeah, there was a guy about. in New York State, Jacob Javits, a Republican senator. My seat once removed. We had Damato in between, as you may well mm-hmm. rem- as you re- well remember. <laughs> um, but he was a big fighter for voting rights. So was Mac Mathias. So was lots of senators from all over the place. Lots of Republican senators. Right. We don't even have to go that go that far back. I, I'm thinking about President George W. Bush. Absolutely. Who in two, 2006, it passed the, he, he signed a 25-year extension of the Voting Rights Act. Yes. It passed the House 390 to 33. The Republican Party has changed. It's run by a group of hard-right people who run the show. And their view is win at any cost. And one of the costs is they've made it harder to vote because they and they've directed it this isn't directed at the suburbs this isn't directed at the rural areas this is directed at areas of people of color college students that's who they're directing it at because they know those people tend to vote democratic now i'm not doing this for political reasons i would I would open up voting rights everywhere, Republican, Democrat. I'd make it as easy as could be in Wyoming as well as in, you know, the District of Columbia. Now, why, why should – these are such polarized times that I can imagine a Republican listening to you right now, and I do have Republicans who listen, but who would say – You used oh, to be one yourself, that's Jonathan. That's not true. I thought you were at no, one time. No, see, that's the thing. Everyone thinks that I, I was a Republican. No, no, no. Oh. Oh, no. This Mark. is a scoop. <laughs> Mario, Listeners, Mario you're hearing Polo- it from 
<laughs> Jonathan's own mouth. Mario Cuomo's speech at the Democratic Convention in 84 was the speech that made me realize I was a, a, a Democrat. Ah. But back to um, what, I was, what I was going to ask. Um, you know, George pre- Bush, you're yes, right. Pres- President they jo- have become a war machine. How could Mitch McConnell say that H.R. 1 is, how could he be critical of it like it helps the Democrats? I mean, this is not an issue of Democrat-Republican, but this is how the hard-right Republicans think, and they push everybody with them. So Republicans listening to this should know that you say that this is not for political reasons. This is for American uh, Look, reasons. I wouldn't deny it. it. In most cases, it will benefit more Democrats than Republicans just because of the way voting works. But that is not what our intent is. Our intent is make it easier for everyone, Democrat, Republican, independent, vegetarian, anyone, to vote. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of the great state of New York, thank you very much for being on the Jonathan, podcast and for sharing this you. news. Great to, great to be here. Great to be here. Thanks for listening to Cape Up. Tune in every Tuesday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And how about doing me a huge favor? Subscribe, rate, and review us. I'm Jonathan Capehart of The Washington Post. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ. If you like Cape Up with Jonathan Capehart, you should check out some of our other great podcasts. Like Can He Do That? A podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. Or try Post Reports. Every afternoon, host Martine Powers brings you the unparalleled reporting and analysis you expect from the Post's newsroom in our newest daily podcast. You can find these shows anywhere you listen to podcasts and learn more online at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. The Washington 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 Post. Post.